right, all right, here we go. This is the NBA Dream Podcast for RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Today is Monday, May the 22nd. I'm your host, Sleepy J, joined once again by the one and the only Mackenzie Rivers, NBA betting expert. Mackenzie and I, we're going to go ahead, we're going to cover some Western and Eastern Conference Finals games for you guys. We're going to start with the game that's going to go ahead and kick off here tonight between the Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. So what we're going to do here, we're going to try to make the sausage for you guys. Mackenzie and I, we really haven't ironed down on anything yet uh, as far as the wager is concerned. So what we want to do, and we like to do this from time to time, kind of just discuss what our thoughts are going into the games. And maybe we talk players, maybe we talk uh, derivative bets, maybe we look at the side, maybe we look at the total. We don't know. But what we do know is our last podcast there, Mackenzie, we went ahead and we gave out three picks and all three of them came in. So I know you're happy about that. Listeners were happy about that. They jumped on Twitter. They're like, hey, Sleepy Mac, good job, guys. It's been it's been a little bit of a of a wait for you guys, but happy to see you back. Get back to your winning ways. Um, what what have you made, Mac, so far of the Eastern and Western Conference Finals? The fact that now maybe we have two teams that actually might get swept. I don't think that's ever happened before in the history of the NBA. It has not. A conference finals to be a total of eight games long, it would be unprecedented. You know, I kind of understood the NBA for a long time. I thought I kind of knew it, kind of knew the patterns, the ins and outs, the flows. And then game three of the Eastern Conference Finals happened, and I was uh, godsmacked. I was flabbergasted. I have no idea how a team as talented, as deep as the Celtics, looks so thoroughly inept, so thoroughly heartless, so thoroughly beaten, torn down by Jimmy Butler in the heat. That was something else. That was something I will not forget for a very long time. You know, Mac, I think one of the things that a lot of people do forget about is that you can get haunted by the past. I think Boston might be going back to what happened with them last year. The fact that you know, they had a really good team. They were, you know, oh so close. Had a chance to go ahead and beat the Warriors. Didn't happen. Uh, Jason Tatum didn't play all that well. Brown, I thought, played half decent. But uh, a lot of those guys came up short. And when it seemed like the chips were down and, and they had to go ahead and perform, maybe some demons in their mind kind of waking up and making that team play, uh, I guess, absolutely horrible. I don't know what you've thought of this Boston team, Mac, over the last couple of games, but just going off the last game, game three, that, that team is unrecognizable. I have Boston Celtics fans that I know that are personal friends of mine, and they're not saying like, hey, we're done with this team, but they're basically done right now watching the playoffs. Like They absolutely have no faith at all that this team's going to win this series. And to go back to prior to game three, I think a lot of Boston fans and even, you know, professional betters, guys like you and I, you know, thought Boston had a really good chance to, to go in and sneak out some games that eventually that this team would surface. It hasn't happened. This team looked bad. So I wonder what this team's mentality is going to be coming into this game. I, Mac, I think they're crushed. I don't think they think they can beat this Miami team. And it's not like Miami's just going out there uh, playing their – their best brand of basketball and just, you know, shaking hands and walking off the court. Like it feels to me like Miami landed on thick, you know, they're, they're doing Jimmy Butler's out there taunting, yep. uh, you know, you got guys going head to head. It just, it feels like the Celtics are absolutely defeated right now. Yeah. Grant Williams made an ill-fated decision to get in Jimmy Butler's face up 10 in the fourth quarter of game two. I think the heat have outscored him by 60. 60 or 70 over the five quarters since. Just something insane. Uh, I came across this stat, doing my research as I do. There have been two teams to win the first three games in a series that were underdogs of four points or more in each three, each, every, in all three of the games. So the Heat were 
Nine point dogs in game one, one. Ten point dogs in game two, one. All the money came in, including my own, unfortunately, on Boston in game three, moved it from a one point line to Celtics favored by four and a half on the road. Was never close. Heat win by 28. The only other team to ever do that also had Jimmy Butler as their best player, also had Eric Spolstra as their coach. It was the 2020 bubble, Miami Heat, who did the exact same thing, shocker after shocker after shocker, against the Milwaukee Bucks, which leads me to believe, as much as I bristle at the thought of Heat culture, something might be in that water down in South Beach where they just don't give an F about what the expectations are, who's supposed to be good, who's not, who's undrafted, who's a number one overall pick. They don't care. They're rewriting the record books. And uh, Larry Bird, I mean, not sorry, Larry Bird's my guy too, but Larry Brown was always my guy when it came to just doing the impossible, winning over and beyond expectations, over and beyond what talent you have. Eric Spolster's got to be right there next to him as far as uh, coaches that have done the impossible in the NBA. Well, we'll talk a little bit about coaching with this particular series, but let's go ahead and shift over to the Western Conference Finals because there could be a sweep there. Now, the current line for this game tonight, we're going to have the Lakers minus 3.5. We have a total of 226.5. Mac, I don't know if the Lakers go down tonight. I honestly don't know. I don't know what might happen with the total in this game, too. It's 226.5. I'm not sure if, if these teams come out and look to go ahead and ramp up the offenses or defenses. I don't have a play on the side or the total. I don't know if you do either, but I think that this is probably a game in which, you know, we look to go ahead and attack some player props. Here's my main concern with the side and the total on this one is that this could turn into a sweep and this could turn into, you know, where LeBron and AD kind of just put their heads on. They're like, you know what? We had a good season. Nobody expected us to be here. I, I certainly didn't. And maybe they just pull their guys fourth quarter and we end up with one of those situations like we saw last night in the fourth quarter where you would expect maybe no points and they turn around and they score 80 or something in the fourth quarter. So sometimes when you when you end up with these particular situations where the series could end and it could end kind of early in the game, it just it makes me always put up a, a caution flag to say, you know what, why do I have to go in and, and make a, a wager on the side or a wager on a total when I could just shift the players or derivative bets where I'll feel a whole hell of a lot more comfortable. Yeah, I kind of I kind of have two minds. I came in thinking, well, Denver's just proven to be the better team. They've proven to be the most consistent team in these playoffs. You look at the net rating, uh, it's literally twice any other team in the NBA in the playoffs. Where Denver's winning by 10 points per 100 possessions in the playoffs. The next best is Miami at plus five. After that, kind of funny, Boston and L.A., both plus two and a half. So if you double their performance, you get to Miami. And then you double up. Miami's performance, that's how well Denver is playing. So I have a lean to Denver in the game. Historically, you look at it, teams up 3-0 tend to close out. They win 57% against the time, much better than that straight up. And these games tend to kind of just lose all uh, playoff atmosphere. There were, there's desperation, but it's also kind of a malaise from the losing team. These teams tend to go over more often than not. So uh, I agree with the history. I would lean Denver. I would lean over. But then again, in Staples Center, they've lost one time in these playoffs or in Crypto Center, uh, Crypto Arena. Uh, so I'm not I'm not super eager to play Denver, but that is the direction I'm leaning. I feel like Lakers, they're not prone to quit, but they're prone to just say, okay, F it. Let's just, you know, let's just go balls to the wall. We saw it in the fourth quarter when they started getting down a little bit. They took a bunch of threes. None of them were particularly well advised. Austin Reeves had one shot. 
came in the final minute that completely went away from him. Anthony Davis only had two shots, both off LeBron lobs. I felt like they were just playing a completely different brand of basketball, and I wouldn't be surprised if that is the same brand of basketball, throwing things at the wall, seeing what happens, taking 40-footers that we see in this game. In that case, I like Denver to win, and I like it to be an up-and-down, probably an over affair. Yeah, it's tough for me to even consider playing the Lakers to go ahead and come back and win this series. Um, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Denver's going to end up in the finals here. They're just too strong. Now, I think one of the issues here with the Lakers there, Mac, is that this is like, you know, what are the performers doing on the floor? Well, Jamal Murray's playing out of his mind. Jokic, you know, looks like an MVP. I think LeBron's playing not up to LeBron, you know, in, over the last couple of years, but he's still going out there doing his job. Same thing with AD. But I think the, the one of the guys that, that's just underperforming, and this has been a this has been a guy that's on my radar maybe for a wager tonight, and it's D'Angelo Russell. Uh, absolutely miserable in the last game. One for eight, one for six from three. Uh, only played like 20 minutes in that game. I would consider maybe playing his points, rebounds, and assists under. I'm not sure if you like that, but I could maybe even pivot over to maybe Dennis Schroeder, maybe like an assist prop over. In no way, shape, or form would I put any money on D'Angelo Russell tonight to go ahead and, and play much better than what he's looked like in this series. Would you be on board with that or kind of against that? No, I'm totally on board with it. Uh, you look at D'Angelo Russell when he's been on the court, they've been obliterated. The starting unit unit has had no shot versus the Nuggets starting unit. Jamal Murray's completely taken him to school. And when he's taken him off the court, that's when we've seen a lot of these Lakers comebacks come in with Dennis Schroeder in that role. I wouldn't be surprised if they started Dennis Schroeder. The only hesitation I have is that the market is uh, watching the same game we are. 14 and a half is where, just from points perspective, where Murray, I mean, where Russell was set to start the series, dropped down to 13 and a half, dropped down to 12 and a half. And they said, no, Moss, we're going to make it 10 and a half for game four. That said, two and a half points is not that much of adjustment if he goes from starting to not playing very much. He only played 20 minutes in game three. I think that's much more likely. So I would only look at his unders. Um, Probably if you combine a bunch of the points, rebounds, and assists, you get a little bit of a premium. Allows you more leeway on the under. So I have no problem with that play at all. All right. So let's go ahead and continue to discuss some of these players here because I think it's interesting. Um, I, I would actually go ahead and look to go ahead and play Schroeder over his assists. I think that they're slowly phasing Russell out. And if the Lakers want to go ahead and win this game tonight, they, they do have to make some changes with him. They're not going to make any changes with LeBron and AD. I mean, that's, you know, that's the heart of their team. I think LeBron might potentially go out tonight and look to go and have probably a big game. Let's just say the Lakers lose and LeBron goes out there and has 22 points and he's, you know, let's just say 40% or whatever. It's not going to look too good, especially if the Lakers get swept. If he goes out there and he has like a 35, 40 point night, it's one of those things where LeBron, and I've seen him do this in the past where, you know, he points the finger at other players. I think that there's a chance of that happening too. Uh, that LeBron goes out there and he's like, you know, I gave everything that I had and da 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 because that's going to be the guy that's get, he always has to answer all the questions. So I would consider maybe a LeBron prop over. I do want to talk about a Denver prop, though, because I do think that there's a, a possibility that LeBron probably slows down with some of his assists. And you kind of think Nikola Jokic might have a big point scoring night tonight. Why don't you go ahead and touch a little bit on Jokic, and then I'll go ahead and give you guys a prop that is an 11-to-1 prop, but I think it actually has a little bit of merit on why maybe we should consider going ahead and making that wager. Yeah, and you told me in pre-production what that prop is. I think that's a very exciting opportunity. I wish I would have thought of it. It's clever. But uh, 
the steps we took along that process to get there uh, is really just looking at the series from a big picture point of view. If you just took each quarter by quarter, how has the game evolved? What adjustments have been made? We kind of see the seesaw where Jokic was unstoppable in Denver to start the series points wise. They made some adjustments. They made Anthony Davis more of a help defender, which is really saying they're double teaming him on every play because as soon as he gets his man off the dribble, Davis is going to be there. And what did we see? Jokic stopped scoring. He went under his points prop twice, um, and Jamal Murray stepped up, had two of the bigger games of his career. Well, what happened in the fourth quarter when the Lakers came all the way back from an early deficit and they got that one-point lead? Jokic decided, hey, I'm the MVP, I'm the man. Uh, Single team, double team, I'm just ending this series right now. 15 of his 24 points in the fourth quarter, where Jamal Murray, on the other hand, had that huge first half, 30 points. I think it was a record, at least a, definitely a record, a personal best. I mean, 30 points and a half, that's crazy in the conference finals. And he was really quiet the rest of the game. He was not seeing any open looks. They were putting two, three guys on him as soon as he touched the ball. Well, let's look at the, that second half of game three. Jamal Murray led the whole squadron in assists, either the Lakers or the Nuggets. No one had more assists than Jamal Murray at five in the second half. And Jokic led the team in points. So I'm expecting that same scenario where, again, LeBron and the Lakers are going to be trying to just throw haymakers, trying to get a bunch of threes. That leads to a lot of breaks. That leads to an open game. I like Jokic, like he did in games one and two, to take advantage of that early. I like him to be a scorer in this game. And also just from an emotional leadership point of view, I feel like this is when they go back to their captain, they go back to their best player, and they said, take us home. Jokic made a big deal talking about how I don't want to give him any confidence. I don't trust a team with LeBron to lay down. Smart man. I don't I don't trust anything about this situation. I'm not taking anything for granted. Sounds like a man on a mission to me. So I'm back in that uh, energy with my money. I'm going over Jokic, 26 and a half points. Another reason I like it is this is the first time all playoffs Jokic prop has been that low at 26 and a half. And it's the first time Jamal Murray has actually been expected to score as many points as Jokic. I think this kind of an overreaction to the last couple of games. I'm buying Jokic scoring at a low point. I'm going over 26 and a half for Jokic. All right. I love that one. And I think exactly what you said makes all the sense in the world. Now, Jamal Murray's coming off of a monster game. We're going to get Jokic at his low point. So naturally, you want to probably look over on that one. Here's my thing with Murray is that he started out so hot in the last game that the Lakers have to prevent that. And like you said, like they kind of figured that out. So we can go ahead and we could look maybe Murray points under, but I felt like that was adjusted down a little bit too much, Mac. I think it was at like 26, 27 and a half, somewhere in there. That's a little bit scary. I mean, this dude scoring like 30 points a game. Here's what I think that we should probably do. One, I think the Jokic prop over points is probably the best wager here. But if we think Jokic is going to be more of a scorer, and I think LeBron's going to be more of a scorer, I think we go back and we look at at some of the Murray games where he wasn't asked to be a scorer or where he didn't score all that great. He had a lot of assists in that game, eight, nine in the Memphis series, eight, nine in the Sun series. Uh, But he's yet to have like that big assist game. Now, if you guys go to FanDuel, you could look up top assisting player for the game. And Nikola Jokic and LeBron are right around minus 140. I think LeBron's plus 100. I think, yeah, it's Jokic minus 140, LeBron plus 100. But the third guy there, Mac, is Jamal Murray at 11 to 1. I think there's a really good chance that Jamal Murray could be the leading assister in this game tonight. 
if we think both of the guys that are favored over him actually become more of scorers, we actually might be able to get a half decent ticket here that actually pays a pretty good amount. So I don't know if you if you'll stamp that one, but that's one of the crazy picks that I was thinking about for tonight that I think that actually has a little bit of merit to go ahead and maybe potentially cash. Stamp it approved. This is the best off the wall. Huh? Wouldn't have thought of that, but it makes a lot of sense. High value pick. Since you said Jordan Poole, 50 to one to be the high scorer in game one of the NBA finals last year, that didn't quite get there, but it's the same mentality where it's like, what factors work in confluence together? If LeBron is in elimination game mode, I think you brought it up 33 points per game in his career when facing elimination. Uh, If he's in that hyper scoring mode, uh, I don't see anyone, any other Laker getting a bunch of assists. Austin Reeves might get five, six. And on the other side, Jokic is averaging 11 assists in this in this uh, series. But in the second half of last game, he had less assists than Murray. So I just need that to continue, and I'm getting paid out 11 to 1. He might have the most assists with seven. Wouldn't shock me at all. So I think that's a lot of value, 11 to 1 on Murray. I feel like the Lakers, Mac, tonight would rather trade Jokic twos for Jamal Murray threes, especially to go ahead and start this game off because they just – if you watched Murray in the last game, he was absolutely just taking the crowd out with the three ball. I mean, he was shooting everything, everything. He, he was like six for six or something in the beginning of the game, and it just took it took the crowd right out of it. So um, I'm not going to sit here and recommend that we go ahead and play, you know, the 11 to 1. Like, we're not going to stamp that one. Mac, I think that the play that we should stamp, though, is the Jokic points over. I think that should be like an official play that we go ahead and give out. So if you want to if you want to stamp that one, I'm cool with that. And then, you know, we'll have a fun, maybe a fun pick with, uh, maybe a D'Angelo Russell under, or you know, maybe we go ahead and we, we take a shot on that assist leader for for the game with Jamal Murray at eleven to one. But certainly the Jokic over points. That's certainly the one the way that we probably want to go here. Yeah, eleven to one's a good flyer. You're not going to invest uh, your mortgage payment on it. But uh, my favorite play, the more we talk it through, is Jokic. And I usually don't like players to go over their points props. I'm pretty vocal about that. But this one's my favorite on this board. Jokic over twenty six and a half. They're giving you a cheap number in a situation where I expect him to score more than normal. All right. So there's a couple of wagers for tonight that you guys can go ahead and consider. Uh, let's jump over to the Eastern Conference game here there, Mac. We have the Miami Heat right now, Mac. I'm looking. They're favored, minus two, minus one and a half. That team was getting points in game three from Boston. And I guess what everybody's seeing from Boston, even the odds makers, they just they, they don't like anything they're seeing from this team right now. Uh, total right now on this game is 216. Mac, I don't have a particular wager in this game, but here's what I will say is – we talked about this going into the last podcast, and one of my major concerns was the coaching mismatch, and I felt like there that was my advantage with the Heat. And I don't know if you watched what Mazzola was looking like on the sideline. He looked like a deer in headlights. He absolutely looked lost. The assistant coaches were actually getting up, and you normally don't see a whole lot of that, but they were actually just getting up, and they were in his ear. He looked lost. The entire Boston Celtics team looked lost. Like, they had no answer for anything that Miami did. So I can't find a way to go ahead and get to Boston here, Mac, even plus the points. What I would recommend, and again, this is you know kind of a off-the-wall kind of wager, a wager that you guys can make, maybe just going ahead and playing Miami in an alternate line, maybe playing them like minus 9.5 at like plus 275. We saw Boston wave the white flag, Mac, in the last game. They basically quit. And I'm not sure if you watched the press conference after uh, Jalen Brown sounded like, and he looked like he was a defeated man. 
Like this team was absolutely defeated. And if they come in here and they play anywhere remotely close to what they played like in the first half, I have a feeling Boston might pull the plug here in the fourth quarter, maybe even in the third quarter, and kind of just kind of just wave the flag. And Miami showed that they don't care about going ahead and trying to score in this team, that this game could get ugly, just as ugly as game three did. So I think that that's a wager that we can certainly consider. I can't get the Boston. You're not going to get me to – there's no way. You, I don't – even if Jimmy Butler was not on the floor for Miami, I still would not bet Boston because that's how bad they look right now. So no way it's Boston. Maybe maybe Miami in an alternate wager. I think that would be a consideration. Or just go ahead and play Miami. You know, maybe on the money line minus the 118. As far as the total is concerned, I don't have a thought on that, but it would be Miami or nothing for me. No way I'm betting Boston. ESPN Analytics has some explaining to do, saying 97% chance entering the series Boston was going to win, 67% chance after their first two losses that they were still going to come back and win. However, as uh, embarrassing as Boston has played, there is part of me that says no professional athlete that looked as treated as Jalen Brown and the Celtics did throughout the last three quarters of that game are going to have it in them to have anything close to that kind of poor performance. That said, there was one dunk in the second quarter, or actually two. One was an alley-oop where uh, Duncan got into the paint, threw it up to Adebayo, just jumped like out of the gym to get it. And then a few possessions later, it was a one-on-one Jalen Brown versus Bad Adebayo. The spin move, elevation, and follow-through slam while Jalen Brown slid like four or five feet into the into the stands off of the spin move, it was just like, man, Michael Jordan used to say a dunk is worth more than two points. That dunk was worth like 14 and a half points. That game was over after Bam Adebayo just treated Jalen Brown the way he did. Uh, you ever been in a pickup game where you really want to try? You really want your team to like come back or, or have some sort of fight, but they're just not. The other four are just not. I feel like that's where the Celtics team is now, where they're just... Any one point, they might get mad. Marcus Smart might throw an elbow. He might say, hey, you know what? Let's We're taking a stand right now. But it just sounds ridiculous at a certain point when you're down 30 and you're looking at each other and you're saying, this isn't, this didn't work. The experiment failed. Maybe with Ime Aduka, this would have been a different uh, tra- trajectory for the franchise. But I saw a very disconnected team, and I agree with you. I think even if they try really hard at the beginning, once they get down, they have so much doubt as far as the project that is the Boston Celtics right now. Would not be surprised to me if they go on a if they get outscored by 40 points in the third quarter like they did in game three. If they just completely have a stretch where they can't get it together. And that's why I think Miami, I mean, power ratings wise, this is a crazy line. Miami's a favorite. Uh, however, power ratings isn't everything. So I think it's asymmetric, where if this is a tight game, I think Boston might have a little bit of value. We've seen some money, some daredevils betting on Boston plus two to push it down to one and a half. But there's at least a 35, 40% chance that that they're never in this game at all. And that's where the nine and a half plus 270 has a lot of value. You know, I love that you said that there, Matt, because there's a chance that they're never in this game. From what I'm seeing from Boston right now, and look, it's going to sound a little bit crazy. But you could bring the worst team in the NBA right now onto the floor against this Miami team that could actually go in here and play better than Boston is right now. I can't find a confident player. And when I look at Miami, and I think that that's why they're going to win this series and potentially win this game here, is that their entire team is confident. 
It's the guys like Duncan Robinson. It's Caleb Martin. It's Gabe Vincent. Guys who you don't expect to go out there and take over a game and to take your will. Jimmy Butler already did that in the series. I think Bam Adebayo, like you just described, like he did that already in the series. It's the other guys that they're expecting to go out there and struggle. This entire Miami team right now is confident. Not only do they have confidence from the coach, but it's just the entire team. It's the complete opposite with Boston. So I don't know how you play this team. They've, you know, I went head to head with Jimmy Butler. That didn't work. Uh, they got blown off the floor here in my. I think that there's a potential that they could get blown out. So, you know, the nine and a half, I do, I do like there quite a bit there, Mac. Now let's talk a little bit about one of the Boston players that we think is is kind of potentially playing himself out of the rotation, similar to the way we talked about with D'Angelo Russell, and that's Marcus Smart. Now you had some thoughts on this one. It opened my ears up a little bit, and then as you were talking, I, I kind of thought of another wager that I think that we we certainly should give that one out. But why don't you talk a little bit about Smart, what you're seeing from him. Do you recommend maybe we play any of his point prop under? Or do you recommend that we play maybe any of his props under? Yeah, I'm looking at his points prop, and uh, you can pay an expensive under 13.5. I probably look at that direction, but fair number is 12.5. He's gone under that number three out of these four games, and I just think – how bad game three went from him, both from a playing perspective and just from an attitude perspective. Uh, he looked like he was going to cry on the sidelines literally two minutes after he threw an elbow at a guy lucky to miss lucky not to get ejected from that game, but he just seemed unhinged. And I know he's an emotional player. He's maybe the most passionate player on the team, but that seemed to work against uh, the current of the rest of the team. It seemed to push them farther down the hill that they were sliding down rather than, you know, get a grip and try to try to, pull somebody back up with you. So because of his precarious stance as the point guard, quote unquote point guard for the Boston Celtics, I think there's going to be a lot of questions his way. There was one stat that someone threw up in clutch time and Boston Celtics have had a lot of it as they've blown all these fourth quarter leads in the playoffs. Jason Tatum's had the most shots. Makes sense. The best player, high score. Marcus Smart has had the second most shots. Jalen Brown was far down the list. That just doesn't add up. That's just every Celtics fan. I know I listen to Bill Simmons podcast and he talks about it, says that is a problem that needs to be fixed. Smart playing hero ball, smart shooting too much, smart thinking he's a player that he is not. Well, he had eight assists in game three, 11 assists in game one. Wouldn't be surprised if he tries to be that point guard, if he's allowed to, if he has enough minutes, if he has enough of the ball. But I would also be surprised if he shoots a lot, if he takes that on himself after his disastrous game three to try to be the scorer. I think he tries to get Jalen Brown involved more. Jason Tatum's obviously the guy that starts the engine uh, and gets them going. So I like him, Marcus Smart, under 12 and a half points in game four. All right, I dig that. I think if there's a ray of hope going into next year for Boston, it's going to be Jason Tatum, and I think that they're going to want to try to obviously showcase that. I'm surprised that Brown has had the series that he's had. He's been absolutely miserable, and I would have probably went on record, Mac maybe in the middle of the year, saying I didn't know who was better between Brown and Tatum. That's how much my stock rose on Jalen Brown. Like I felt like he was clearly one of the top 20, maybe 15 best players in the league. He doesn't even look like he's on the floor half the time right now for this particular series. Mac, let me give you a pick that I really like, and I think a lot of it comes down to what has been plaguing the Boston Celtics, and that's the three ball. I think we take a real strong look at playing the first quarter under. I would not be shocked if Boston comes out and they attempt zero three-pointers in the first quarter of the next game. 
That's what's plagued them. That's what's got them behind. And I think if they come out in the first quarter looking to go ahead and take this heat crowd out of it, which that's not going to happen, and they miss maybe one, two, three, then there goes all the doubt right right back into their minds again. So I think Boston looks to go ahead and take a completely different approach in this game, maybe more defensive-oriented, because it looks to me, and I don't know if you guys watch the same games that I watch, it looks like Boston is getting out and trying to run as much as they possibly can to go ahead and start these games out to get that dynamic offense churning and burning. Well, it hasn't worked out. And they're putting up a lot of threes and they're missing them and they're they're finding themselves down in games and, and you know having to fight back. If Boston comes out and they do not attempt a lot of threes in this game, and I don't think Miami comes out and they look to get extra aggressive to go ahead and start this game out gunning up a bunch of threes too because you know you could end up leaving Boston in. So I think we see a slower paced first quarter in this one. One, Boston, they don't want to lose Miami. They don't want to have some kind of disastrous start. So just play close to the vest and they'll eventually figure it out. So I love the first quarter under here, Mac. That's kind of where I'm at for this one, under 53 in the first quarter. I think that's probably my favorite pick right now for this game. I might agree with you. I might like that even better than smart under. Uh, and great handicap. Let me just add to it. I don't. I, I agree with 100% of what you just said as far as the matchup and the Celtics mentality, trying to get into the paint. And I just looked historically. It's very, very rare for a game to a series to go over in game one, over in game two, over in game three. It has happened. It's happened 25 times. Uh, 10 overs, 12 unders, and three pushes in game four as an entire game. So it slightly tends to under, over under margin of negative 2.1. So it makes sense. The market just generally overreacts to overs and switching up matchups, switching up styles, mentality. If your defense continues to fail versus expectations, coaches tend to do something about it. Even Joe Mazzulla, I think, will try to do something about it. So it makes sense to look under, but I love isolating the first quarter because it eliminates the Celtics quit effect, which killed my under in game three. It was looking fine through about three and a half quarters, and then some guy named Peyton Pritchard was playing, and some guy named uh, Cody Zeller was playing, and they didn't care at all about playoff intensity or defense. They were just scoring every single time. 74 points scored in the fourth quarter of game three with absolutely no stakes at all involved. Well, I can eliminate that from my, uh, from my palette, from my menu here and just say first quarter, I want to isolate the Celtics defensive intensity, trying to save their season. I want to isolate any matchup changes they had or uh, strategy changes they had to try to slow the game down and play more of their style. And just looked it up. Like I said, historically, it's rare for a series to go over, 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 in game four, when it's gone over, 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 only 48 combined points, by far the lowest scoring of any of the four quarters in this particular scenario. So history make, makes sense from a matchup perspective, psychology perspective, it makes sense. I like this play a lot. Let's call this our agreed upon uh, game four Celtics heat game of the year prop. First quarter under 53. That's also a nice juicy number. Some 52 and a half's out there, but 53. Uh, three of Two of the three first quarters have already gone under this number, and I think we should expect a lower scoring start to the game here. So, yeah, I like it a lot. Under 53 for this game. All right, so we're going to stamp that one, and then we'll go ahead we'll stamp the Jokic points over. So those will be the recommended plays that we go ahead and give out. Uh, hopefully they go ahead and cash their Mac. And obviously, if you guys followed us on the last podcast, you went 3-0. and So looking to go ahead and duplicate that again here. 
uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, kind of Mac and I going ahead, kind of making the sausage here for you guys. So uh, a lot of this stuff we're talking through right now for the first time. And maybe we just threw some ideas out there trying to smooth out some stuff uh, for you guys. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Go ahead and get uh, get those wagers in for tonight. We got the L.A. and the Denver game tipping off here shortly. You guys know where to find Mac and I on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame at Mackenzie Rivers. If you guys are looking for a free pick, go to pregame.com, sign up. Get your free 25, and you guys could potentially get my premium pick for tonight or maybe McKenzie's finals game one pick or something like that. So go over to pregame, get that. You get a free $25 just for signing up. So that'll wrap it up for RJ Bell's Dream Preview. This is the NBA Podcast. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games. <laughs>